Hey, welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, Ministry of Greater Worship Christian Church in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Apostle Robert Enos. This is where we talk about the issue the church faces and how the church should respond to those issues. Here we will talk about doctrine, theology, politics, social and cultural issues, and how the church is to deal with these things. So get ready for a large dose of truth and get ready for the tables to be flipped. Here at Table Flippers, table flipping is what we do. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Good to be here with you today. Today we're going to be dealing with chapter 12 of my book, Time for Transition. The title of this chapter is, It's Time for a Revolution. Now this is probably my favorite chapter in this entire book, mainly because of the points that are made here in this chapter. It sort of sums up everything that we've been talking about and reading from the book, but it asks some very pertinent questions for even today. So I'm going to get right to it. The questions we must ask. David had prevailed over Goliath, the Philistine champion, the one that taunted God and the armies of Israel. David took him down with a stone from a slingshot, removing Goliath's head with his own sword. Not only did David free Israel from the taunts and oppression of this wicked giant, but did it in such a way that the rest of the Philistines ran in fear of losing their lives. Whether David meant it or not, his victory over Goliath was done in a manner that put God's delivering power on magnificent display before everyone at the scene. The extravagant way David took down Goliath and removed his head caused a radical change in the hearts of everyone present. To the Israelites, it meant strength and courage, replacing fear and anxiety of heart. To the Philistines, it meant the destruction of the arrogance and haughtiness of heart being replaced with terror and dread as they ran for their lives. David's courage changed everything and everyone around him. This is one of the greatest reasons we are in transition right now. We, the church, have been taunted and mocked by the giants of the day. All around us have been those that have thrown insults and heckled the church for years in a similar manner as Goliath. God is now rising up the modern-day Davids that will have the wisdom and courage to face these giants on the philosophical and ideological battlefields of our day and age. These Davids will not merely have the courage to step onto the battlefield, but will have the wisdom and knowledge to win the debates of the day, thus winning the hearts and minds of those watching and listening to this battle of concepts and ideas. These Davids will not merely win arguments and debates, but will have the ability to supernaturally remove the head of these giants intellectually, philosophically, and ideologically. When this takes place, even the followers of the giants, the modern Philistines, will turn to the one true God because of the anointed wisdom, revelation, and knowledge of the Davids that run to the battlefield. Many look at the world today, our cultures and society, and think the problem is too big for a David to arise and fix. Many would even say that it is hopeless because it would take tens of thousands of Davids in every sphere of society and culture worldwide to even begin to turn things around. To this I would answer, you are absolutely correct. The problem truly is too big for even a handful of Davids to turn around. But do not underestimate the ripple effect of a single warrior on the battlefield. David was more than a warrior and a deliverer. He was a catalyst, a seed planted that would produce itself and bring in a great harvest. 2 Samuel 21, 15-22 says, When the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. Then Ishbi Benam, who was one of the sons of the giant, 
the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. Now it happened afterward that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibachai the Hushathite killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. Again there was war at Gob with the Philistines, where Elhanan, the son of Jair Aragim, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Yet again there was war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in number, and he also was born to the giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan the son of Shimea, David's brother, killed him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and the hand of his servants. You are contagious. It is worth noting that each and every one of us is contagious. People are catching something from you, whether good or bad. This needs to be understood in the church today. The real questions are, what are people catching from you, and what are people catching from us? It is not a question of whether others are catching something from us, but what are they catching? Think about this for a moment. Are you spreading fear, discouragement, discord, anger? Or are you spreading peace, joy, courage, strength? It is not a question of if you are contagious. It is a question of what are you spreading? What are people catching from you? Just as communicable diseases can affect us physically, what is in our hearts and souls is equally transmissible as well. Strength and courage, along with fear and doubt, can be just as infectious as the common cold or flu. David's giant-killing courage was so contagious that even those who would make up his mighty men became giant killers. Those that were around David caught what David was infused with, courage. Just one giant brought fear to all Israel, but now killing giants seemed almost commonplace. David's courage had rubbed off on those around him. King Saul was afraid, so all under his command became afraid as well. Now everyone under David's leadership had courage and strength of heart, some becoming giant killers as David was. This is a principle that we all must understand. Those around us, especially those under our care, will catch what we are infected with. Be it positive or negative, people will be infected with what we have. I want to revisit something I touched upon previously. You must understand that what we are under will eventually manifest in us. You must understand that what you are under will eventually manifest in you. The church you attend and leadership you are under, the pastor and his preaching, worship leader, youth pastors, elders, etc., is shaping you into the image of the one that you are subject to more than you know. This is a principle that cannot be changed or avoided. If you are hearing sermons that are founded in fear, anger, greed, lasciviousness, etc., this is what you are becoming. These words are shaping you and you most likely do not realize it. If you are in a church filled with faith, strength, courage, peace, joy, etc., this is what you are becoming. What you subject yourself to is what you will become. I know people that attend churches that major on end-time theology because the church leadership is fearful of world events. 
without fail, if these people remain as active members of these churches for very long, they all will have a foundation of fear established within them. I know some that have become so fearful that they are afraid to travel away from home out of fear that something catastrophic could happen and it would be cut off from home and loved ones. I personally know people that used to go on short-term missions trips but are no longer willing to go because of the fear I just described. They are now too afraid to go minister away from home because they think the Antichrist may come on the scene and keep them from getting home. They become what they subject themselves to. They are now fearful, hopeless, and powerless because this is what they submitted themselves to week after week. The Word of Faith movement was a movement that revealed the hearts of many in the body of Christ. The basis of the movement and its principles were correct and much needed in the church. But what many made of it was repulsive. Many that adhered to the principles of the Word of Faith movement did so for entirely self-centered reasons, twisting the faith principles for bigger churches, bigger houses, nicer clothes, and expensive cars. None of these things are bad, but when that is all we have to expend our faith on, it shows that not only was their theology twisted, but it came from a twisted heart as well. What was given by God to increase faith for souls and to change entire regions became a pseudo-faith for luxury. What should have been used to change the world often was used to line pocketbooks. This is not to say that the foundational principles of the Word of Faith movement are wrong, nor is it to say that everyone in the Word of Faith camp was wrong. I am merely pointing out several of the excesses by some of those who attach themselves to this restorative move of God. It is a sad reality, but in every move of God, these types of things happen. Unfortunately, some will pervert the truth for their own gain and for their own self-exalting carnality. We cannot dismiss an entire move of God simply because of those that pervert the truth. But it does make it difficult to defend the movement when these extremes are raised up and viewed as the norm. I had a discussion with a self-proclaimed man of faith once that revealed where his heart was. I said to him, where you and other Word of Faith ministers went wrong was you had faith for bigger houses, bigger cars, nicer clothes, but you let your generation go to hell. You didn't have faith for them. To this he struggled with his thoughts as he mumbled something incoherently. Then he sighed and said, you are absolutely correct. We were too busy exercising our faith for things that we forgot souls. In this conversation, I was not trying to embarrass this man or humiliate him in any way. Instead, I was merely wanted to point out something that needed to be rectified. I wanted him to know that it was correct to have faith and use his faith, but it needed to be adjusted to the more important things, such as the people Jesus died for. Remember, you will become what you are under. Each of the people under this man's ministry was receiving from this type of twisted perversion of truth each time they sat under him and his teaching. Each member of his church was becoming someone that would use right principles for selfish gain. This is not an assumption. It is a fact. If you sit in the sun, you get sunburned. If you sit in the rain, you get wet. Basic, but nonetheless true. If you continue under erroneous theology, you will have a wrong understanding of God and his principles. I wish I had the ability to open up every believer's heart and soul and pour this truth into it. You will become what you subject yourself to. Of course, no one is perfect in all their theology, but the Bible is very clear about these things. In Luke 6.45, it says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, 
his mouth speaks. You can get a pretty good idea of what's in a preacher's heart by what he or she preaches. One sermon will not necessarily show what is in his heart, but over the course of three to six months, a great deal of who a person truly is can be recognized by what is being said from the pulpit week after week. A person's true nature cannot be hidden for long, especially when they are speaking so much. A genuine essence of who they are will be exposed over time. We in the body of Christ must begin to be very honest with ourselves about this reality. Often we will allow ourselves to be shaped by the carnality and negativity of others simply because we are self-deluded and dishonest with ourselves about what we are giving ourselves to. It is past time to take an honest look at ourselves and the teaching we have been subjecting ourselves to. I write this next session not to cause problems, but to expose behavior that can be repaired if hearts are right. Often we engage in behavior that is wrong without knowing it is wrong. This is usually because it is learned behavior. Regarding church leadership, we learn from our spiritual fathers and those who are mentoring us in the ministry. Most of the time what we learn from others is fantastic and will be of great benefit to ourselves and the people we minister to. Then sometimes we learn things that only miss the mark and do not measure up the way God would have us minister. Below are a few examples. If you are in a church that takes more than one offering in a service, the leadership is most likely motivated by greed, lust, and power. If you are made to feel guilty for not giving more in the offering, the pastor is probably driven by greed as well as a controlling and manipulative spirit. If the pastor is treated like a king with several armor bearers around him, you are in a church led by someone that is most likely arrogant, self-centered, and self-exalting. If the pastor sits on the platform in a throne-like chair and rarely moves during praise and worship, you are in a church led by someone that is most likely pompous, haughty, arrogant, and self-exalting. However, if you are in a church where the pastor sits on the same type of chair as everyone else, is not moved by the offering, praises and worships God along with everyone else, and serves the congregation by waiting on them, then you are under someone most likely with a heart after God and a heart for the people he was entrusted with. If you are under greedy leadership, you are becoming greedy yourself. If you are under manipulative and self-centered leadership, you are becoming manipulative and self-centered as well. What you are under, you are becoming. This is an inescapable principle. If you are under leadership that has a pure heart for God and the people God has entrusted to him, then you are becoming individuals with a heart after God and those he loves. You are becoming what you are under. We must grow up in righteousness and the proper way we are to function as a church and the house of God. It is not merely the job of the pastor to make sure that the church is operating as it should, but it is up to everyone to make sure the things being taught are correct. All of us, regardless of our title, are supposed to search the scriptures to make sure that what we are being taught is biblically sound. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, we read, These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. This verse shows us that it is not the job of the preacher only to search the scriptures. It is a requirement of us all to search the scriptures so that we will know if what we are hearing is biblically correct or if it is askew. We will never fully know if what we are being taught is actually the truth or perversion of truth until we study it 
for ourselves. If more Christians took this approach, I am of the opinion that many churches would be in serious trouble. Many preachers would be faced with angry parishioners demanding they preach and teach the truth or else someone is going to be leaving, them or the pastor. However, in the long run, it would mean greater health and wholeness in the body of Christ because every preacher would know that their message better be theologically correct because they are being watched. They will be aware that the congregation will not tolerate false or weak doctrine. They will be mindful of the fact that they will have to preach and teach the truth that empowers their congregations to do great things. A revolution is coming to the church, and it is beginning with those who search the word of God. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. If today's church understood this one verse and the principle found in it, many pastors and preachers would be in big trouble. Church boards would be actively looking for a new pastor to come lead their church. They would be looking for pastors that had a heart of a pastor, not merely the title of one. I, for one, believe we are past due for a revolution in this area. The church has neglected its duty in this realm for far too long, and as a result, many bad seeds have been sown because of it. We must wake up and get the house of God in order. His order. It is time pastors and church leaders become interested in the overall spiritual health of the people God has entrusted to them, more so than their own personal pleasure and self-importance birthed from carnality of heart. A true humility needs to sweep through the church, causing us to be more concerned about the well-being of those around us than the suits we wear and the cars we drive. I am looking for the day when pastors and church leaders are once again seen in the soup lines, not looking for a bowl of soup, but serving the bowl of soup to others. I am looking for the day when once again pastors and church leadership spend more time with the people of their church than they do in the green room being waited upon. I am waiting for the hearts and minds of church leaders to be turned more towards others and what they can give than to themselves and what they can receive. It is time for a revolution. It is interesting to note that David did not realize the firestorm that he would cause when he brought down Goliath. This one victory caused Saul to hate him, the people to praise him, his enemies to fear him, and a new order of giant killers to arise. David did not go looking for these things. He was merely being obedient to his father. His submissive heart put him in the right place at the right time. His faithfulness set things into motion that changed the course of the entire nation. You are worthy of such victories. David is not so unique that you could not do what he did. You have had victories over those things that may seem small and insignificant, but has opened the way for greater achievements. Be obedient and faithful to the call in your life. Stay the course, and in due season, you will have others praising you and singing of your victory over the giant of the day. When that happens, get ready for everything around you to change. I want to ask you this question again. What are people catching from you? You are contagious whether you realize it or not, but what exactly are people catching from you? As we can plainly see with David, people caught his courage in the face of considerable opposition and danger. Saul caught freedom of heart and mind when David played and sang. The people caught a great king because he was first a great shepherd. What are people catching from you? Be honest with yourself and with God as you answer this. Keep in mind that Saul was removed partially because the people were catching fear, disobedience, anger, and the like from him. David was exalted because he was a man after God's own heart, and the people were catching that. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that was chapter 12 from my book, Time for Transition. And even though there's one more chapter in my book, I'm going to uh, stop there. I'm not going to read or deal with chapter 13. You'll just have to get the book and read it for yourself. But there's a purpose why I'm not going to. I really want to leave a little bit hanging just for you, a little mystery for you to, to chase after. But I also really want to get into some other things. I wanted to use my book as a backdrop for future podcasts. And because that's my heart. This My heart is in this book. And what we just went over in all these chapters, I'm sharing you with my heart. And I believe it to be a very prophetic and profound uh, book and writing for the church of today. I believe we need to get back to some truths. We need to get back to, truly to the Word of God and start chasing after God's Word. So pastors and church uh, members, congregations, you need to really take this to heart, not because it's in my book, but because it's in the Word of God. There's, we are at the time of a revolution. We've been seeing it already. It's not that it's coming. It's here, and it's picking up speed and it's picking up steam. And pretty soon, it's going to hit every church house in America. It's going to hit every Christian in America. And when it does, it's going to force us to see some things about ourselves. And I, I'm not exempt from this. No one's exempt from this. Because God is looking for a revolution in the earth. He's looking for a revolution in, in America. But he wants that revolution to be started and led and stewarded by the church. But the church is in no position to lead a righteous revolution, either in this nation or in this world. So God must deal with this church first, get us back to the principles of his word, get us back to the principles of his own heart so that we can lead and steward a revolution in the earth. And that's what God is after. You can be a revolutionary if you allow it in your own heart right now. God will raise you up as he did David and set you on a course to bring about righteousness to not just your church, but to your community, to your home, to your state, to your city, to your nation, and then to the nations of the world. Don't think yourself too small or insignificant because remember, David wasn't even important enough to be invited to the party by his own father. Instead, he was stuck out in the field with a few sheep when Samuel came calling for the new king. And who was anointed king? David, the one that most people passed over, looked over, didn't think very significant. And that was the one that was most significant. So I say this to you. You might be passed over. You may be genuinely passed over up to this point, but God's about to release you and God's about to anoint you. So uh, take that to heart, but it starts right here. It starts right now. The revolution is here. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us here at Table Flippers. I would love to hear from you. You can find my contact information at www.gwcclancaster.org. That's gwcclancaster.org. Please let us know how we are doing. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and comments. Have a fantastic day.